Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is buy or sell. So we are going to look at two current NBA rumors each, and we're going to decide if it's possible or impossible. So, Jalen, what is your first current NBA rumor? And do you believe that it's possible or impossible? So here's the thing. I I don't know necessarily whether or not I'm going to call cap or no cap yet. I'm going to say no cap on this, but there are trade trade humor, rumors out there that Kyle Lowry could be on the market for the Toronto Raptors. He's apparently already like, putting his Toronto estate up for sale. There's a handful of teams that have already began to start calling for him. Um, I think some of the some of the teams that have mainly come into question are teams like the Cleveland Cavaliers moving on from Andre Drummond. The Miami Heat are one of the uh, bigger names, which they seem to always be one of the bigger names in those kind of uh, conversations as well. So I, I got to say no cap on the idea of Kyle Lowry um being moved on from i'm gonna let you answer it kind of with your own take as well from like hearing the idea and then i'll kind of elaborate more so on what kyle lowry has done this season and we can maybe talk about some places that he could fit so this is actually one of my current nba rumors i wanted to talk about and i think it's possible that kyle lowry gets traded toronto has had a rough start to this season i think they've been able to turn it around so far and win some games they currently sit at 11 and 13 and Kyle Lowry's averaging close to 15 points a game six assists four rebounds and over a steal a game he's shooting just under 43 percent from the field and just under 37 percent from three I think if this trade happens it has to be geared toward the future with that being said Kyle Lowry needs to be traded to a contending team I think the Clippers might be the best fit for him He provides more veteran leadership, and I think the Clippers are missing a guy who can truly lead the first unit on the floor while still getting the chance to shine in the spotlight. I think if he's traded, there has to be enough assets from the other team that would want to make Toronto trade Kyle Lowry. And also, I think if he gets traded, I think it signals that it is Fred VanVleet's team And I think that the trade could signal more playing time for guys like Malachi Flynn and uh, Terrence Davis. Yeah, so I think when we look at Kyle Lowry, think about what he's done so far this year, 17 points per game, uh, 5.7 rebounds per game, 6.7 assists per game, about a steal. And he's shooting about about 50% on the dime inside the arc, shooting just under 37% from three-point land. I mean, this is a guy who definitely, I think, is is likely to be on the market. It would be hard not to be able to covet calls for a guy like this when you're looking at a team where the central pieces of the team, especially with Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka going out last offseason, the central pieces of the team now are guys like Fred Van Vliet, like you said before, paid. Pascal Siakam, paid. Uh, OG Ananubi, he's probably next. 
in terms of a, of a guy who who's looking to that rookie scale extension situation taking place. But basically, the the guys that they even the guys that they've either already paid or the guys that they're looking to pay are on the younger end and are looking to build through and build up with. So. Technically, Kyle Lowry is the last Toronto domino to fall in terms of being able to fully hand this team over to rebuilding or, you know, trying to build up young talent. So I think that Kyle Lowry definitely, that's why I say no cap, because I think that he definitely is on the block. Um, Outside of the Clippers, though, who are some other teams that you think should be trying to go after Kyle Lowry. Cause I think having veteran leadership at the point guard position is huge. He also obviously provides the playmaking and he can shoot the three very well. I do just wonder whether or not the Clippers actually fall into the category where just because they need him doesn't mean they can go get, go get him. I mean, their best trade assets right now are probably what Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, and some sets of second round picks, which I guess for the 2020 draft, might actually be relatively beneficial considering how deep the draft is. But really, other than that, they don't really have much to really work with. And there's there are major questions as to what even what even is the worth of Kyle Lowry in a trade package. So, like, what's another team or another set of teams that you could think of that could re- realistically have a shot at making the trade for him? So you mentioned Cleveland, and I think it's an interesting team considering it seems like their backcourt is kind of already set with Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. I think an interesting team would be New Orleans, mainly because of the amount of first-round picks that they could have as trade value. I think that another team could be interesting. I would say maybe Boston I would have to throw in that conversation as well because I think they really need a lot of guard depth. And I know Peyton Pritchard's really stepping up for this team, but Kemba Walker's been injured for a couple games this season. I feel like maybe they could use another veteran guy like Kyle Lowry, not necessarily coming off the bench, but I would say in some cases maybe leading the first unit for Boston. I would probably say Miami's an interesting destination as well. I would also say Orlando too. I know Orlando isn't necessarily a contending team, but I think that with the point guard problems that they've had consistently throughout the season, especially with Markel Fultz, losing Markel Fultz for the rest of the season due to a torn ACL, I think that Orlando could be a likely trade destination for Kyle Lowry. And especially considering that when you pair him up with a guy like Nikola Vucevic, who's been an all-star for the past couple of seasons, that could be an interesting pairing for Orlando that could possibly make them a contender going forward. But I think that would be interesting to have both Lowry and Markel Fultz on the team. Both of them are starting caliber point guards. Yeah, I definitely think that some of the teams that you listed off are really interesting. Obviously, with the Miami Heat, the biggest thing is Goran Dragic. Obviously, the long-term plans of him. But, I mean, of course, if you trade for Kyle Lowry, you're looking to extend him because he's almost up as well. So he's in a similar boat. I think with Boston, that might have been a really it might have been a lot more interesting of a take than people may realize because Kimball Walker has been kind of like, I don't know, I don't want to call him a dumpster fire or anything because I don't want to go off the edge and start, you know, screaming hyperbole. But like Kimball Walker has not really been Kimball Walker that much this year. And of course, it's you know, it's been the the knee and it's been a lot of lower extremity stuff in terms of his injuries uh coming into this you know into this season particularly 
But I think the biggest thing with Boston is just the fact that, like, Jeff Teague isn't working out that well. Jeff Teague isn't working out at all. That If you want to say somebody that is a dumpster fire at the point guard position for, Celt- for the Celtics, it's Jeff Teague. Peyton Pritchard is just getting back from his ankle injury, which obviously he's already been on the record and basically said that he's not even playing at 100% right now in terms of his mental confidence coming back from the ankle injury. And then obviously Kemba, I mean, you know, he's had a spurt game here and there that's kind of made you feel like, oh, yeah, he he's going to get his groove back in. But especially as the Celtics are in this weird position with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown kind of, so far, we haven't really seen them as a full unit. I think that's I think that Kyle Lowry does bring a certain level of like stability to them, despite being an outside player. I think he brings a certain level of veteran mentality that'll probably stabilize the team in a way that I think could put them on the right path. I think it'll be really interesting to see what they do. And then I think your Orlando take might be one of those that flies under the radar just out of the fact that people think. A, Cole Anthony, obviously you drafted him to be your backup point guard. He's getting a lot of the burn right now because of the fact that, I mean, that uh, the fact that Markel Fultz is on the shelf, you know, uh, for the season. But I do think that that's kind of an interesting look because you do start to wonder whether or not, like, Toronto would be open to taking players that like Orlando is kind of just either sitting on or already been floating out there like Aaron Gordon is debatable on whether or not he would actually fit next to Pascal Siakam in the in an offense with you know uh with guys like OG Ananubi and Fred Van Vliet like you just wonder whether or not that would all work I feel like defensively maybe it would add up but Aaron Gordon's not some kind of rim defender or anything so maybe it would force Siakam to be like a small ball five and Aaron plays the four or something but I mean you also look at from a draft book draft pick standpoint they obviously have that working for them and then I guess you could also throw out the fact that like they have guys like Chuma Okeke that was like for Auburn once upon a time that like hasn't really gotten any burn. And I mean, granted, that had a lot to do with the injury, but like he hasn't gotten a lot of burn because they're just so stacked at forward. Um, I'm sure that Toronto would love to get Jonathan Isaac. I, I feel like Jonathan Isaac is, Isaac is such a Toronto player, but unfortunately, I just don't think that's in the mix. But I think I think from what we're saying, Kyle Lowry has a pretty large pool um of of potential suitors and i think that his trade value might actually be a lot more than most would anticipate considering he's really only got like this year left on his contract so moving on now to our second nba rumor jalen what do you believe is another current nba rumor and do you believe that it's possible or impossible so this one has a lot more to do with, ironically, the Celtics team that I was referring to on the back end of our conversation beforehand. And the rumor is apparently that they're going after a wing slash forward going into the trade deadline. This is one of those where I have to call cap. And I mean that to say that I think I'm calling cap on the fact that I don't think that they're going to be able to acquire somebody that is going to be able to apply immediate pressure at the forward slash center position. I think this is one of those very small pool situations where unless the Cavaliers are willing to part with Andre Drummond, which it sounds like they're very committed to not doing, 
um i don't really know anybody else that's necessarily on the block that is like a game changer at the center position that would real or even the forward position that they would actually be willing to go through with because i feel like danny ainge is one of those that because he's so kind of like pick centric he's not going to put those on the table and i also don't think that there's anybody on their team he would be open to trading because from a value standpoint you can't just say here i'll give you jeff teague and a pick because jeff teague is not going to make anybody you know jump at an offer peyton pritchard is probably more valuable than him and peyton pritchard is the kind of pick that you know he would you know, die to hang on to. It's probably why he reached on him in the first round in the first place. So I I want to call cap on this to a certain extent, but I'll say this, if they are looking like looking to get into that market, I think a couple of guys that obviously have to come up to a certain extent, I think Aaron Gordon, I think is debatable. I think the best fit realistically, and I think it's not going to happen is probably a guy like Harrison Barnes. Honestly, I know like, okay, I know we're on the Hoop Talk podcast, start bringing up Harrison Barnes. It's like, oh, Lord, Jalen's about to get into his little bag of Harrison Barnes can't shut his face. But like, just listen to me for a second. He's averaging nearly 17 points per game, shooting nearly 50% from the floor, 6.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists per game. If we want to get even more technical about it, he's in a position right now where he's shooting pretty much the best splits of his career he's shooting 49.1 percent from the floor shooting 41 percent from three and he's shooting 54 percent from two i mean you throw that on to the fact that he's also averaging nearly a steal per game like he is a guy who can kind of just step in and do whatever you need him to do like whatever you need him to do if we're going to go in, I mean, he's had, you know, he's been, a, he's very, been very inconsistent, I guess you could say. Um, he's starting to have a really decent stretch, but it was weird. He had two games. Ironically, he had a game against Boston, 24, five and six. Then he had a game against Denver that was 28, seven and four. In the last two games, he's totaled 12 points in the last two games against top level defenses and the Clippers and the, uh, the 76ers. So the hot and cold streaks with Harrison Barnes is the thing that you have to sign up for, unfortunately, because for every 20-point game, he's going to have a five- or a six-point game. But I still think that because this, because this Celtics team doesn't necessarily need abundant scoring, I think that Harrison Barnes can do a lot of the other things that you need to do. Like, I mean, he had 24-8-4 and four against uh, – the Pelicans he's had a game against like the New York Knicks where he had eight rebounds and seven assists like he has the potential to get in his bag in other ways that don't necessarily have to be scoring and he's always going to be a three-point threat out there as well so again let me get off my high horse before I you know fall too deep deep into the Harrison Barnes you know conversation because I could pretty much deep dive his game from start to finish but realistically I just don't think that they're going to be able to get some kind of game changer at the forward and center and or center positions, unless they're willing to part with somebody like a Marcus Smart or 
I mean, shoot, I guess moving on from Daniel Tice would not be crazy, but I think people would more likely want a guy like Robert Williams because of his upside, stuff like that. So I think that because of the that being the caliber of player they might have to move on from, or at least the caliber of player others would be asking for, I don't really think they're going to do it. Yeah, I don't see this move happening. And I think that Harrison Barnes is too much of an asset and too important to Sacramento that I don't think that Sacramento would even consider trading him. I think that Harrison Barnes, even though he is putting up the best numbers of his career, I think if he goes to the Celtics, I think the trade wouldn't make a lot of sense considering that your return package could be questionable. It's not going to be Marcus Smart. It's not going to be Jason Tatum. It's not going to consist of Jalen Brown or Kemba Walker. I just think it's mainly going to consist of picks, maybe Daniel Tice, maybe Robert Williams, like you said, for his upside. But this doesn't seem like a trade that Danny Ainge would pull off. My second current rumor and a trade that uh, a trade that Danny Ainge might pull off, J.J. Reddick to the Boston Celtics. And I think that this is interesting mainly because he's been one of the most consistent three-point shooters throughout his NBA career. He shot 41 and a half percent throughout his NBA career. And he has been on contenders throughout most of his career. So it kind of only makes sense that he should get traded to a contender. Now this season he has struggled. He's only averaging eight points a game and he's shooting over 30% from the field and from three. But I think teams need, need an experienced guy like JJ Redick, who's been to the postseason almost his entire career. And I've been saying this on the podcast, Boston's bench is not as good as we thought it would be going into this season. And I think this bench needs two things, experience and production. I think J.J. Reddick could provide both experience and production. And Boston cannot go into the postseason without making changes to their bench. I think J.J. Reddick to Boston, this is a move that makes the most sense. So... I have to disagree with you and call cap on this. And I think it actually, the reason why I have to do that is because I actually think the move that makes the most sense, if we're talking about just for JJ Reddick's well-being and potentially for the return to, depending on the likelihood, because I think that they will be willing to part with a guy or two that's not moving on, for, uh, that's not necessarily providing a ton for them right now, would probably be going back to Philly because realistically speaking, I mean, there's a lot of things that factor into that. He's already kind of been relatively verbal about the idea of wanting to be back on the East coast for family reasons. So that would obviously factor in teams like Philly, like the New York teams, which like, Hey, let's, let's go down the list. The Knicks, they're on a youth, they're on a weird youth movement mixed with veteran leadership kind of thing going on. I don't necessarily know if JJ Reddick is a guy that it's not that he wouldn't fit. I just think that he's a net negative defensively, and this is a very defense-oriented team in the New York Knicks. And then you look at the Nets, who are literally on the opposite end of the spectrum. They do not know how to play defense at all. Literally, just like open the open up the backyard doors, leave the locks unlocked. You're going to 140, maybe 150 if the night's feeling pretty cool. So because that's the case, they don't really need any more offense. And J.J. Redding provides nothing defensively. So then, then, you know, 
then there's the there's the JJ Reddick to Philly idea, which a been there before. Granted, played under Brett Brown instead of Doc Rivers, but he's played under Doc Rivers too. <laughs> you know what I mean? And Doc Rivers has had to utilize some of the better three-point shooters in the league. I mean, obviously JJ Reddick himself, but also Ray Allen. So it's not like he doesn't have any understanding of how to use him. I think that J.J. Reddick falls into the similar line of guys that they were looking for this offseason when they made moves for guys like Seth Curry and Danny Green. So I think that he's a guy who coming off the bench, he'll be a lot more motivated. And then you do it next to a team that across the board plays very good defensively, has a legitimate rim, rim protector who can also go get you 25 to 30 a night in Joel Embiid. They have a legit facilitator in Ben Simmons. Tobias Harris is the, the official second offensive option for them. It's stamped in. And J.J. Redick pretty much just has to go out there and do kind of similar to what Seth Curry was asked to do early on as well, even though we know Seth Curry can do a lot more things than J.J. Redick can. Seth Curry and Danny Green are just out there to go play defense and shoot threes. I don't know if you're asking J.J. to play defense, but you're asking to at least shoot extremely well from three. So I think that that might actually be the better spot. I don't think Philly really needs J.J. Redick. I think that Danny Green and Seth Curry, they already have two solid 3 and D wings. I think that he only fits on Boston. I would also say he probably fits on Brooklyn as well. You made, you made a good case for Brooklyn. But I think that he fits on those two teams because he provides more production than what you already have. I think that the one thing that Boston struggled with this season is getting production from guys off the bench. I think the only guy that they've really had solid production from is Peyton Pritchard. We haven't seen a lot from Aaron Neesmith, who was their first-round pick. We haven't seen a lot from other bench guys from last year's draft in uh, Tremont Waters and Carson Edwards. I think it's time to add a veteran presence to the bench. And Jeff Teague was supposed to be that guy. He's not that guy. So I feel like that this change has to happen for Boston. I think for Brooklyn, yeah, it does, it does make the most sense. Providing another spark off the bench in J.J. Redick, I think, would be huge. I think it also might turn his career around. He is averaging career lows in eight points a game. He's shooting below 35% from the field and from three, which is unlike J.J. Redick, considering he's been one of the most consistent shooters in the entire NBA for his entire career. So I think those two destinations could be really interesting for J.J. Redick. Okay, so I have to ask you one more question. I know this is a bit of a, a out of left field thing in terms of bringing up yet another rumor, but I can't leave this off the podcast because I feel like it is extremely interesting to touch into. The Los Angeles Clippers, right, are the third best team in the Western Conference. Pretty much solidified themselves as one of the better teams in the NBA right now. Some would argue that they're a top five team in the NBA. I, I believe that they fall somewhere between six and ten, but I think that's I think that's debatable. We'll we can get into that on a on a different episode. But there's a lot of rumors going around that the Clippers feel very obligated to make a move. Um, Ryan, I think my question to you would be: first of all, do you think they should like really make a play for somebody? Second. Who do you think they should target? I know we talked about Kyle Lowry a little bit earlier, but who else do you even think is out there for them to target? And then 
three would be if they were to make a move for the player that you think they get, does it make them better than the Lakers or the Utah Jazz? Because I think that's a thing that's really questionable because the only reason why I think this is an important thing to touch on in terms of this being a trade room or being a rumor that's out there is because the Clippers have went very under the radar this year you know, as the third best team in the West. I think that that's a really interesting thing for them because of the fact that there was so much hype around them last season. I think everybody has a certain level of uh, disdain for the fact that they set such a high bar for the Clippers last season and they barely grazed what was the bar that was set for that team. So I think they're playing above, I think they're playing about what they're supposed to be at, but they're playing somehow also under the radar because the expectations for them are significantly lower. So I just wonder what moves they could make to really kind of wake the NBA world up and say like, no, we're going for a chip, no cap this time. The only move that would make sense for the Los Angeles Clippers is Bradley Beal. There are no other moves that would make this team any better than what they are right now than getting Bradley Beal. Now, I understand I said earlier in the podcast, Kyle Lowry, this is a move that makes sense for the Clippers because they need a a floor general point guard that is able to score 15 points a game. A solid third option for Kawhi and PG. But they need another option. They need another option other than Kyle Lowry. So you have to get Bradley Beal. This is the only move that makes the Clippers a slightly better team than the Lakers. And I think that this move, if they make it for Bradley Beal, is a move that could make them arguably the best team in the Western Conference because they have three players that could all average over 25 points a game. Now, obviously, the chemistry on the floor could be the biggest question, and that was the issue last year with how all of these stars and Montrez Harrell, Lou Williams... Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Patrick Beverly, all these guys, how are they going to how are they going to work together on the floor? That's really my main concern if they get a guy like Bradley Beal, because Bradley Beal is going to want the ball and he's going to want to score 30 points a game. Honestly, he should be in the MVP conversation right now. And you know, this might be a case for Bradley Beal as a possible MVP candidate if he moves on to the Los Angeles Clippers. And there's a chance if we get that potential L.A. versus L.A. Western Conference Finals matchup, Bradley Beal might be the guy who gives the Clippers the edge. So that's really going out on a limb. (laughs) I think, and I only say that because I just really wonder what they have to give that Washington would want for them to for that trade to be something they would be really willing to lean into. Now, this is the part that sucks because the position they need the most is the one where the most action has already been taken, right? So you look at Kyle Lowry, he's a guy that's been discussed, but the question is just whether or not they're actually going to be able to have the kind of trade chips for him. I think a similar thing definitely falls for a guy like Bradley Beal. Like they don't even have any really first round picks to trade. So I don't even think the trade would be fair from rip. So I highly doubt that they're going to trade with the Clippers um, in terms of dealing Bradley Beal. But I think Kyle Lowry's in a similar situation where you do wonder, like, what what young guy, like, does does Terrence Mann 
like attract like Terrence Mann and some second round picks like attract the Raptors like because of the potential like offensive and defensive upside as a two-way player at the wing spot like is that something that entices them like they definitely develop guys but you just wonder like unless you're about to turn Terrence Mann into like OG on a newbie from like last season while OG is like ascending into like the player he's becoming this season I don't really like understand what the the value of that would be for a guy like Kyle Lowry because they would also be like hurting their point guard position because then they're asking Malachi Flynn like yes they're trying to get Malachi Flynn burned but they're also asking him to kind of like grow up quickly which he's not a young player so like his ceiling it's there you know what I mean his ceiling and his floor are very close to each other you know what I mean so it's one of those things. Then you look at a guy like D Rose. D Rose just went back to New York. Shout out New York, making that big move. I think that as long as that doesn't mess with a man, you will quickly time. Cool. Cool by me. I mean, that's that's how I look at it with that. But I mean, because I really genuinely feel like if Derrick Rose is taking minutes away from Alfred Payton, this team is getting better. If Derrick Rose is taking minutes away from Emmanuel quickly. This team is not getting worse, but I think you're stunting the growth of this team. And New York had a really nice thing going or has a really nice thing going with Emmanuel quickly, RJ Barrett, obviously Julius Randle as the vet playing big minutes, obviously guys like Mitchell Robinson as well. And they have rotational guys like Austin Rivers. You can still put in at the two. So I think if you're telling me Alfred Payton, Payton is playing less, but Emmanuel quickly is still getting his significant 15 to 20 minutes a night. I think that I think that's conducive of something good for them. But I think that the Clippers needed, quote unquote, a guy like Derrick Rose a lot more than the Knicks did because of what Emmanuel quickly was doing and the kind of trajectory that the Knicks were on. Derrick Rose is off the table, unfortunately. So I don't like it. I'll tell you the truth right now. I'll I'll tell you flat out. I don't like it. But I think that there's two guys from the same team that need to be discussed. Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham. And realistically, it's just out of the fact, I mean, I'm just being real. First of all, Terry Rozier has been linked to the Clippers since like November. So like, let's not, let's not like sit here and act like I like pulled that out of anywhere. Like, no, Terry Rozier has been a guy who, pretty much has been like in the mix for this whole thing from pretty much the beginning um in terms of looking at this team and saying like oh they need a point guard bad and this offseason there was a lot of rumbles for that and with the ascension of lamella ball like obviously he's made this guard spot very difficult um made it a very difficult competition between the three of them because when he's gotten his starter minutes he's He's really gotten his starter minutes. And so you throw on top of that, that for Charlotte this year, I think that Devontae Graham might even be a better fit because he's more of a facilitator. He's averaging almost six assists per game this year. And then you throw in the fact that from three, I mean, he's still shooting about 36%. That still kind of falls in line with the rest of the team shooting wise. And I think he would actually have better wide open looks with guys like Kawhi Leonard and PG on the floor. So. Devonte Graham to the Clippers I think it's at least a more realistic trade option in terms of being able to make a move it's not that Bradley Beal is a bad pick I just think that the Wizards would be crazy to trade him to the Clippers so 
With that being the case, I think they need to address the position of need, and I really think that's a facilitating point guard. Devontae Graham gives them that, and I don't think they'll have to trade a ton to make that move. And that's a good way to transition to our question of the day for our fans. Which player out of the three players that we talked about most likely could be traded to the Los Angeles Clippers? Bradley Beal, Terry Rozier, or Devontae Graham? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.